This is episode 37 of the Brick and Data podcast, a podcast dedicated to retail news, analytics, and tech. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Brick and Data podcast. This is Todd Harris, and as always, we have Jose Chen with us. Hi, Jose. Hi, everyone. So for this special episode, we are joined by the CEO and co-founder of Ministry of Supply, Aman Vani. We're very excited to have Aman on our show. Aman is the co-founder and CEO of Ministry Supply. It's a clothing brand inventing a new category, performance professional, which are performance dress clothes. The company was founded in 2012 with the mission to incorporate fundamental engineering and performance principles into dress clothing staples, ultimately building a wardrobe that looks good and feels comfortable. So just kind of think uh, Nike meets Brooks Brothers. Prior to co-founding Ministry of Supply, Ivani spent four years in management and nonprofit consulting with Deloitte and TechnoServe. He holds a BI, BSIE from Georgia Tech and half an MBA from MIT Sloan of Management School of Management and was a member of Forbes 30 Under 30 list. So Aman, welcome to the show. It's awesome to have you with us. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to chat. Awesome. And for our audience, would you give them a quick background on Ministry Supply? Yeah, absolutely. So we started the company. It's been about five years now that we've been kind of on the market and, and pushing forward. And it, it was started with this kind of itch that we had almost from the customer side for how much we just kind of disliked our current dress clothes options. So we didn't like that they were kind of stiff and stuffy and kind of required intense ironing and dry cleaning. <laughs> and so we as engineers kind of wanted to solve that and make something that, you know, both looked great, but also felt great that you were kind of looked forward to wearing you know, clothes that you were wearing to work, but you didn't dread. Um, so that's kind of evolved into a full line of men's and women's clothes that are kind of sweat stain proof, uh, wrinkle proof, uh, super stretchy, uh, just insanely comfortable that you kind of want to wear to work. I love that. And I mean, I, I personally want to, I need to get in there and try some of these because the more you talk about it and the more I hear about it, the more interested I am. And, but the cool thing about it is it's got this, it has a high tech feel to it. I'm on, right. That's the whole nature of it. It's never, I guess yeah, I, people never thought that clothing would be, be necessarily high tech maybe until, I don't know, until, um, various movies or icons came about. Maybe you could take us through like what, what inspired this, the, you know, your namesake in a way. Yeah, no, so I know. So our namesake is uh, the Ministry of Supply is an actual organization. And, and how we got there was that Q from the Bond films is actually inspired by a real person named Charles Fraser Smith, who much like Q made kind of the gadgetry to make sure that, you know, the Bonds of the world uh, looked great, you know, ready for a big gala, but were absolutely ready for anything. Right. And so much like, you know, Q, who in real life operated under the cover Ministry of Supply, we tend to think of ourselves as the kind of empathetic inventor who's in these labs kind of creating clothing for the bonds around the world who need to look good, but be ready for, you know, jogging to their commute or, or biking to the, to work or, or just sitting at a desk a lot more comfortably or not having to worry about dry cleaning on a Sunday. So right. it's all these kind of use cases that we think of ourselves as kind of cue in these labs, engineering clothing that, that both again, looks good and feels good. Right. Doing all that in style, which is the key, right? Cause you see, I mean, you see a lot of people running around Boston at least in their, like you, as you were saying, the normal stiff clothing, and with these running shoes on, it cracks me up when I see that. It's, it's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> and 
a, an interesting tidbit is uh, yet okay. yesterday, last night, I, I went to the tailor uh, to just uh, have um, some alterations done. And wouldn't you know it, there was a guy who had a few uh, ministry supply pieces um, who was getting fitted. And he was like that prototypical James Bond guy who... <laughs> <laughs> it was really cool, actually, as we're talking about this. I, I was just, just like looking. I was like, wow. And he was getting uh, everything uh, fitted. And he's awesome. like, I need this because I'm leaving tomorrow, today. Uh, and I, I can, can you take care of it by 7 a.m.? Because i got to catch my flight. <laughs> he's, like, he's getting all in character, it seems. Uh -huh. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty, it was so cool. But I just thought I'd, I'd, I'd share that with you guys. Yeah, we, actually, we hear that kind of scenario a lot, actually. So... You know, we, we talked about kind of situation-friendly or blank-tested, you know, whatever you want to put in for the blank. But, you know, in his case, it was probably like, you know, weekend trip or a quick business trip tested. And so we think a lot when we go through our design process, and it's in fact why we like retail so much is because you get to kind of, one, have the instant gratification of walking away with product, but two, you can kind of go in there and touch, feel, stretch, uh, understand the product a little bit better and how it might fit into your life. And for the person that you were talking to, who quickly saw an opportunity for this to have a really good kind of travel spot, you know, in his wardrobe that 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 worked out well. So, we love hearing stories like that because it kind of validates that we're on the right track. Absolutely. And so, just following up on that, uh, for our listeners, could could you describe uh, the per performance professional market you're in and what that looks like? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's funny that I, I love hearing the word performance professional market because I think when we started this. We kind of coined that term and, and you know, uh, rallied around it and said, you know, we want to start this new category of clothing. What are we going to call it? You know, and, and we just kind of came up with this performance professional. We've been sticking with it for five years now and kind of hammering it in, into, you know, our marketing, into our, our product. Um, and it's great to hear that you say, you know, use the word performance professional market because it was something that wasn't, you know, it didn't exist five years ago. It wasn't a term. And so we've been pushing it. And I like that, you know, there's starting to be some level of, uh, familiarity around the term, although certainly not a household term. Um, this idea that you know we would even be speaking the same language when we use a word like performance professional market. Sure. Now, I think when we talk about category creation, there's so many challenges that come around that and saying, you know, what does this market look like? It's an ecosystem. Um, you know, I think it starts obviously with the product first and foremost, but also with a customer's understanding of what that means and how it might impact them. You know, a wholesaler, if they chose to carry performance professional goods, you know, how they might market that or train their employees to tell that story. Uh, investors, you know, it goes on and on, but I think it's an entire ecosystem that we've started to create uh, and our peers in the industry and, and, and predecessors or successors and incumbents uh, are, are certainly not um, looking away. I mean, I guess I guess just to stay on that on that topic real quick, because you you know, you kind of mentioned the idea of, of competition and um, it seems like you guys are in your own space in a way, yet there are other players that have that kind of sporty aspect to style, right? Um, but it seems like you're also doing things a lot differently than they are. Um, but I'm guessing as you go along over the past five years, you've kind of seen other other retailers that have been either attempting to do what you're doing or uh, at least taking that same, you know, performance professional angle, which is a good thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we think kind of that's that's certainly going to help, uh, you know, get customers familiarity. It's going to change your expectations in terms of what you look for in clothing. We think that it's great when, you know, a lot of the incumbents, um, Banana Republic recently released a rapid movement, you know, and it's, and it's yeah. a beautiful product. We loved kind of seeing it and, and understanding that, you know, a, a giant like that, you know, part of a $16 billion portfolio is 
out there making a, a performance professional chino and, and we would do it very differently and our product is is quite a bit different we have a chino as well um, but at the same time raising customers expectations for what they expect of their clothing you know for a generation that's hitting the workforce right now that grew up on you know nike dry fit yep. um the, the the bar is raised and kind of traditional where to work clothing um is far less tolerable and hasn't changed in decades I have one of those um, <clears throat> Banana Republic pants that you're talking about. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm in the middle about them. They're okay. They're fine. Change them. Change them, Todd. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm certainly not, not married to them. And, uh, and I feel like as I was wearing them that, yeah, they could have, they, they could have fit me a little bit better, but Hey, I mean, there's not a ministry of supply in every corner, but we'll see. I'll have to, I'll have to <laughs> come right. by. <laughs> so just to kind of um, you know, spin on over to a little bit of the tech behind this, because, you know, this this podcast where while it's all about retail, it's also all about tech in a way and that kind of overlap. And, and what you guys are doing is really the, you know, the the center of, of, of that, taking this textile tech, otherwise known as, at least in my mind, as 3D printing on steroids in a way um, that you're using to make these products. And I'm, I'm very curious, not necessarily to the, about the depths of how it's done, but you know, what about what you guys are doing makes it unique? Um, and then I have a follow-up question after that, but if you could just talk a little bit around the, a little bit around the tech involved and the, and if it is, it really as simple as saying 3d printing. Yeah. You know, I think we, we often use this analogy that I, that I enjoy, um, where mm -hmm. kind of, instead of talking about the tech, we often talk about it in a more kind of consumer friendly way and saying we're chefs. Um, you know, 3d printing is, is one of our techniques as kind of chefs, there are many, many ingredients, there are many options, but what we really focus on is more, you know, as chefs, what did you order? Um, and we use this process and now, now getting a little bit more into the kind of tech or the, the, the secret sauce behind what we're doing. We use this process that we call quantified empathy. And it's become kind of our signature toolkit to understand better into a very kind of internal nerdy term that we use to basically say, how exactly do you expel heat, odor, moisture, pressure? How does your skin stretch? Uh, and then on a more qualitative side, how do you make decisions on what you're going to wear in the morning? How do you make decisions on what you're going to wear you know, on, on Monday versus Friday, on a rainy day versus a sunny day? And by using that toolkit, we, you know, we start our, our process much like kind of an engineering problem set where you start with, with a true problem, uh, not with a solution. So traditionally, fashion has been kind of linear and focused on where do we want to go and let's just make it. Um, for us, we start with kind of what is the problem statement with, with what's on the market right now? And because of that, our, our, our technology, and to kind of answer the core of your question, is an output of that process, not an input. Um, and so what we try to do is not find interesting technologies and then put them on the market. Uh, we want to find actual real human problem statements and then use our technical tool set um, to develop technical solutions to those problems and, and put them on the market. And so what we ultimately like to say is that that creates kind of in an economic sense market pull where we are building something that was specifically made for a gap or an opportunity in your life, not taking some technology and pushing it upon you. And so the technology could be anything. It could be, you know, it, it, again, back to the chef analogy, there's thousands of ingredients and, and hundreds of cooking methods. Um, you know, how do we combine all those in a way that, that solves the core of those problems? So it could be anything from NASA phase change materials in our dress shirts to control your temperature to coffee grounds in our socks to control odor. Um, certainly 3D printing is amongst that list of ingredients or techniques, but it wouldn't be any one piece of technology or any one ingredient that would make the brand. It would be this kind of concept or premise of quantified empathy leading to kind of inventing apparel. That makes total sense. So this, this originally, it led me to think that 
<clears throat> maybe at some point this could come as this this is be this could become as straightforward and simple as um as how how people i don't have one but uh you know they might have a 3d printer at home to create some type of tchotchke like something whether i don't know wh whether it's some type of um you know of a, of a laptop stand or whatever it might be but those are very simple made out of plastic whatever whatever there's a high degree of complexity to what you're doing here and it doesn't seem like um in the short short term people will be home you know buying a certain type of of 3d printer for fabric for clothing taking a recipe or a design made by um ministry of supply and plugging it in and creating their own jackets i mean maybe in the future future right but yeah not quite not quite yet <laughs> Absolutely. I think yeah. the implications of kind of 3D printing clothing specifically are, are uh, you know, limitless. And I think that for a long time, it's been kind of stuck in this world of mindshare. You see an occasional yeah. kind of 3D printed couture dress that, you know, costs $12,000 or something like that, that, uh, you know, this idea that, that 3D printing was this untouchable technology that yeah. was more of a, you know, 10 or 15 year game. And I think what we're trying to prove, you know, with with our, our partners uh, in, in at Whole Garment is that 3D printing clothing can be a reality that, that can happen now. I mean, right at this moment, we are, are most likely not only 3D printing clothing in our Boston store, but we're doing it on a one-off basis. So you ordered a garment, we printed it specifically for you. So there's implications on mass customization. There's implications on kind of inventory holding strategies from a background perspective. Mm -hmm. um, there's implications on getting the customer involved in the creative process. So there's a ton that's already happening, not, you know, some faraway land that we can dream of. That's great. And I mean, and so the fabric that you're using is derived from NASA. So how did this idea um, to take astro what astronauts wear uh, convert into something civilians can wear, right? How, how did it come about and how did you make it happen? Yeah, so for us, again, it comes back to saying it, it came about first from a problem statement, I think, that, that we entered with the premise that people hated sweat stains on dress shirts, right? That was one of our early hypotheses that we validated through a lot of conversations. And if that was the case, there was kind of a proactive set of solutions where you would keep cooler and a reactive set of solutions where if you did sweat, it would wick away quickly. Um, you know, the wicking part was a little bit easier because the athletic industry had kind of paved that. But the proactive part, keeping you cooler in the first place, was a lot harder. And so we kind of set out on this search to figure out uh, which partners might be helpful and which partners could, you know, uh, which, which, you know, what technology was out there, what, what do we need to develop versus what do we need to kind of partner with. And early on, kind of a, a capital-starved company, we find that NASA has this open patent for phase change materials that wow. you know, anyone, <laughs> anyone can really tap into. And, uh, and oh. we discovered this kind of great partner that's willing to kind of work with us on figuring out how to integrate you know, connect this kind of heady technology into uh, an everyday staple. And so we spent uh, probably about a year working with that partner to figure out how to actually at first coat that material onto our yarns and eventually actually embed it within our yarns so that it couldn't be washed or dry cleaned away, um, but rather was now inherent to the fiber properties. Wow, that sounds really neat because you're, you're putting together really awesome technology with an awesome idea. Uh, and at the end, you're going to look like Q. <laughs> That's the hope. And so, it, it, what does what does this mean? Um, since you mentioned it was an open patent, what does this mean for costs overall? Yeah, you know, I think there's a, a larger premise here that I think uh, we like to dispel, which is that 
you know, technology doesn't have to be cost prohibitive. It, it is often more expensive, certainly earlier on in its maturity cycle, but it doesn't have to be cost prohibitive if you're willing to explain to a customer why that might impact their life in a positive way and pass that value along. Um, customers are willing to pay for it. I mean, our dress shirts right now are $115, which is a little bit higher than kind of a lot of our incumbents, let's say Brooks Brothers or Banana Republic, certainly cheaper than anyone in the luxury category. Um, but but for, you know, for that price, right, what you're getting when we talk about kind of how much technology is embedded in one of our shirts, you're avoiding dry cleaning bills, right? And so the technology is now saving you actual dollars. You're avoiding time spent ironing. Um, and so if that technology can drive real kind of human value, then we think customers are willing to kind of get along for the journey as that cost curve starts to eclipse. And you know, down the road, 10 years from now, a lot of this technology will be a lot cheaper and probably more every day. And hopefully by then we've moved on to something more advanced. But um, it's certainly the, the idea that technology has to be cost prohibitive is one we've liked to continue to debunk. Makes a lot of sense. And so changing gears a little bit. So going back in time, you started uh, in 2012. What are some of the challenges uh, that you've you face or face uh, pioneering um, this new market and developing developing it, and how did you overcome them? Yeah, so I think the, the overcome part is certainly always going to be a work in progress because the new challenges emerge, you know, hourly. Um, but I, I teased this a little bit earlier in the conversation, and I think it's a really good question to come back to, which is this idea that you know when we when we set out to create a category of clothing, which was our initial hypothesis that you know we wanted to take the the best of technology and, and the worst of dress clothes and, and merge them, and uh, and we thought it was just going to be a, a purely a product challenge. If we could make the best product, that would be it. Um, now that certainly was part of the challenge, right? Finding a factory that was willing to work with our materials, you know, finding a dress shirt factory that would use an ultrasonic welder, or finding a an athletic factory that was willing to have the craftsmanship required to make a great dress shirt. That's a kind of a compromise you have to make early on while you're still training them up or, or help them figure out how to do the other. These are two very different factories. So from a product standpoint, there is certainly a big challenge. But there are many other challenges that that then kind of leads to that you may not think of when you talk about category creation. So you know, from, from a capital standpoint, there's no investors that invest in the performance professional space because it doesn't exist. Uh, when you talk about a channel perspective, you're kind of forced early on to go direct to consumer because there are a few retailers willing to take a risk on kind of a, a, a gamble of a new category of clothing that doesn't exist, right? They don't have data to prove that customers actually want sure. it. Sure. We believe it. It's a hypothesis. When you talk about employees, you're not looking for resumes of people that have experience in performance professional because it doesn't exist. Designers, developers. So I think the kind of list of challenges goes on when you talk about the ecosystem around a product and, and building a category requiring the buy-in of all of those, not just a great product that meets those specifications. I think the first thing I'm going to Google after this interview is ultrasonic welder. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I've never heard of that. And I, I'm so curious as to what that looks like. I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, so you guys have about nine stores, right? So you have about nine stores across the U.S. only. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's um, correct. Yeah. So, so similar to... Well, so I guess similar to Bonobos and Warby Parker, uh, you were mostly digital in the earlier days. And, you know, just like them, you've branched out and started opening retail stores. Now, I know it's not a one-to-one -one comparison between, you know, Ministry of Supply, Bonobos and Warby Parker. There's varying reasons why retailers, I think, branch out in, into stores, you know, for financial reasons, to be closer to the customer, if it's a more customization type situation, 
you know, whatever their business model is, there's always a reason. But I guess why did why did you why did Ministry of Supply decide to branch out into retail stores? And I have a feeling of how you're gonna answer this, but I think I think it's good to kind of just you know be very obvious as as to why why you are, and maybe it includes some of the some of the you know the 3D printing angle and the customization angle and being close to the to the consumer side of it. But I'd love to hear on your own words why. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a it's a great question. I'd actually love to hear your take on why, but uh, we'll come back to that. You know, for 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 us, I think it was very much, uh, you know, we didn't necessarily actually start online. I think we certainly sold a lot more online um, just by the reach we had and in a in a kind of successful Kickstarter launch that got a lot of attention. But from day one, we used to kind of take our prototypes, and and those prototypes could come in batches of one, where we'd get a room full of people at at MIT to kind of give us feedback. Um, often at the business school, people that were kind of wearing this type of clothing, um, we know, and then we'd produce a batch of 20 and we'd sell them in person at kind of a trunk show or a, at a club event or, you know, at, at, at you know, at, at anywhere that would let us kind of show up and sell it. So we sold quite a few pieces, you know, before we even launched on Kickstarter, we, we sold several pieces and I'm, you know, and talking in the, in the tens or hundreds, certainly not in the thousands or 10,000. So um, and this is the, the golden age of Kickstarter too. Right. That's right. This was kind of uh, when, when I think it was a very different kind of uh, yeah. uh, site at that point. But it was a little erratic. Uh, Anyone could kickstart anything. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And, and, and it's one that's evolved, and, and I think a beautiful way to kind of continue to bring people's kind of dreams into life totally. or validate hypotheses. But you know, for us, I think we started online because it was louder. But the, but the reality is, we always had kind of an offline presence too. It only, as of the last two or three years, has become a more significant portion of our business. And the reason we've continued to bet on it is exactly kind of what you would, would probably guess, which is the experiential component of it, right? That for a new category of clothing, being able to touch, feel, stretch a shirt, try it on, understand the difference, and that is an order of magnitude different from your traditional dress shirt. The best way to explain that is just by putting it on. You know, mm -hmm. we can just close our mouths and say, here's the fitting room. And that's a much more efficient way uh, and, and realistic way to, to tell people, here's what we're doing. Um, because ultimately, if you don't feel the difference when you put it on, no amount of me talking matters. And so we can get people in the store um, trying stuff on, touching, feeling, you know, grabbing it that 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 has done quite well for us. Makes sense. It makes a lot of sense, right? Because at the end of, of uh, let's say, a consumer journey, ultimately, it's about that touch, especially in apparel. It's about the touch and feel, right? And it, it, it has to be uh, part of you to a certain extent since you have to wear it all day. Um, and it's that's awesome. Are, are there any recent uh, or perhaps upcoming product introductions that we could talk about? I know we talked about textiles and and other things earlier, but perhaps there's a specific product uh, that you might want to highlight. Yeah, there's I mean, there's a few. It's it's kind of the holiday season, so we're obviously kind of excited to uh, seize the moment and 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 share kind of a lot of the stuff we've been working on for a long time. I think the one that I'm probably most excited about right now mm -hmm. is that for the first time in kind of our five year history, we're launching a true suit. Uh, wow. It'll be called Velocity Suit, and it is an absolutely beautiful product. I'll leave some of the kind of detailed specs out of this, but I'll give you a couple of the highlights. Uh, it is a stretch machine washable suit that looks absolutely incredible um you know i got to wear uh, a few of the samples and prototypes yeah just to give them a kind of a bit of a field test and make sure that kind of the final product came out as we expected and uh and it was just absolutely beautiful to see this kind of staple of a wardrobe that i had dreaded for so long when i'd kind of go to a wedding and have to put on a stuffy suit and <laughs> 
wait to get it, you know, get it, take it off or, or you know, go, you know, go dancing at a wedding or, or, you know, go to a nice meeting and you want to sit down and you're just kind of, uh, dreading wearing this, 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 this piece of your wardrobe that has for so long caused us angst. Um, <laughs> it's really exciting to be able to launch our, our first true suiting option and put it on the market and, and kind of see what people think. Now it's gone through an extraordinary amount of testing. It's gone through quite a bit of, of both wear testing and kind of more quantified testing. Uh, so we're quite confident in both its performance and its kind of uh, appeal. Uh, but at the same time, it doesn't uh, change my excitement level of getting to put it on the wider market and see what people think. I've been got me excited. <laughs> I've been imagining as we've been going along this conversation here, the commercials that you guys could possibly run, whether it's in, you know, inline ads on websites or whether it's, uh, you know, TV commercials at some point, and they could just be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so much fun. My, my partner so we we do make a currently we do make a, a jacket and a pants that can be paired to be a suit yeah um it's a little bit more casual it's called our kinetic line and uh my partner gihan ran a half marathon in that and set the i Guinness read World. about that that is amazing <laughs> yeah half, half marathon in a suit um, wow which was just a ton of fun for the whole team and 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 uh and fun for gihan too <laughs> that's amazing that's awesome. And so just um, sticking to the velocity suit for a second, how is it sized? Is it like in um, uh, 38, 40, 42? Is it a small, medium, large? Is it a mixture? No, it's, it's you're exactly right on the, the former. It's it's um, it's chest sizes. So it's it's much like you'd buy a suit at kind of a suit supplier or Brooks Brothers. Um, it is an, an identical shopping experience, so it's certainly tailorable. Uh, it, it'll look and feel like your kind of nicest wool suit, um, but it will perform significantly better. That's really neat, and it, that 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 sounds. It, and if you could run a marathon, it, not sure I could, but it's <laughs> 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 pretty cool. Well, I just don't want to see guys wearing these in the gym or anything like that. I mean, that's not okay. So there's got to be a there's got to be a limit <laughs> to wear. Not going to wear your Ministry of Supply suit in the gym. Get on the treadmill or something, right? Yeah, as our design director says, uh, you do with it what you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, Amon, thanks for joining us today. I mean, huge thanks for coming on. And um, I know it's it's uh, you know I, I don't want to bring the personal life into this, but I know it's a busy time for you. Um, baby potentially on the way here, so um, soon. So That's I can't right. believe you any, took some any time. Day now. Yeah, any day, in any minute, maybe right. Any minute now. Yeah. yeah. Exciting. So that's that's awesome. Number one, and that's that's the best. Um, congratulations to you on that in advance. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Well, yeah, thank you for joining us. And, uh, you know, we I would love to – I think Jose and I, or at least I will. I mean, I'm in Boston, so I'm coming by one of your stores. And I'm going to let you know when, and I would love to see – I would love to feel. I've never felt – I should have, prior to interviewing you, gone in there and, you know, felt one, tried one on. I think it would have made – and made me more aware of this as we go through but still it's amazing what just verbalizing some of this and trying to understand where you're coming from and the market that you're creating in your own in a way or extending even and how and how that's changing things and i can't wait to see how you guys evolve you know yeah yeah do do stop by a store i think that's <laughs> where you can kind of get the best experience i'd also encourage you or, or anybody to stop by our headquarters at 105 south street in boston it's not a store but we always like it when people can kind of stop by and say hello and we get to pepper you with a few questions on why you wear what you wear and how we can make better clothing. We work right around the corner, actually, in uh, our normal jobs. So I will I take the train in every day. So I think I'm going to be coming by. Swing and by. you're going to change those uh, pants, right, Todd? <laughs> yes, I'm going to change those pants. Uh, <laughs> I've only worn them twice. I mean, honestly, if I really liked them, I'd wear them a lot. But I, uh, I don't know. 
Swing, swing by, we'll get you fit. Okay. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, it, that is the show. If you have any questions, comments, feedback for us or for Amon, you can email us at brickdatacast at gmail.com and you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And until next time, everyone, take care. And Jose, thank you. Amon, thank you. Take care, everyone. Thanks so much Thanks, for having me. Thanks, bye, everyone. Me.